Well, uh, good morning. Uh, we've been uh, working our way in this series, Live Stronger, through uh, the book of James, and uh, we've uh, come up with some uh, challenging things, haven't we? We've uh, talked about how uh, God wants us to count it all joy when we face life struggles, and we've talked about how to deal with temptation in our lives. Uh, we talked last week about the tongue, and we said that we shape our words, and that our words shape us, and uh, we talked about the try finding that balance between what Paul teaches about faith and what James has to say about works, and we said, you know, if you don't, if you don't live it, you don't really believe it. And uh, today I want to move forward into James chapter 5 on kind of another challenging topic. And so I encourage if you brought your Bible, why don't you take them out and uh, make your way to James chapter uh, 5, and or if you're uh, following along in our uh, live event on version, you can scroll down there. And uh, that's where we're going to be today. Did you uh, see the movie Click when it was out a few years ago? It was a story about this guy who had this universal remote, and with it he could control life. He could fast-forward events in life. He could pause events in life. Well, if you saw the movie, maybe you remember this scene. Hey, don't you wish you had a, a magic remote control, and there were some events that you could just fast-forward through in life? I, I, I'm guessing some of you wish you had one right now. You could fast-forward through my talking and just go right to lunch, right? I'll be honest, I'm guilty. I mean, there are things in life I wish I could just fast forward through. I mean, difficult situations, difficult people, you know, and 30 arguments and a haircut. I mean, I want to just get to the good stuff, don't you? And I think all of us would agree we'd rather do almost anything other than wait. In fact, some of you hate waiting so much that sometimes, if you're honest, you you would choose to do the wrong thing rather than wait. We don't like to wait. And uh, and yet, waiting is good for us, and waiting is what James says is a healthy thing for us in our lives. So look at what he says, James chapter 5, verse uh, 7. Let's start there. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Do you catch it? He says it twice, two words we don't like to hear. He says, be patient. I mean, even as a, as a child growing up, those were not words you wanted to hear, right? How long till we get there? Just be patient. Or uh, how long till we eat? Be patient. Uh, was it going to be my turn? Be patient. How long till this is going to be over? Be patient. And even as adults, you know, we don't like it when somebody says to us, hey, just be patient. It's not our favorite thing to hear. And James says, though, and the Bible teaches, that patience is a valued trait. And he gives us a couple of pictures here of what patience ought to look like. First, he says there's the farmer. And he talks about the farmer planting his crop. And then what does he have to do? He has to just wait, right? I mean, he he waits for the rain to come. He waits for the sun to shine. He he waits uh, for the plants to grow and the crops to be harvested. It's out of his control. All he can really do is just wait. I heard that uh, some of the farmers that have to wait the longest are those who uh, plant tree farms. In fact, I read this week that the average walnut go to go from seedling, walnut tree to go from seedling to mature tree is 35 to 50 years. <laughs> now that's some waiting. 
Then, then James moves on and says, here's another picture of patience. It's the, the prophets. He's talking about the prophets of the Old Testament. And if you've read any of their stories, they have these incredible events that happened to them. Things were way out of their own control. And all they could do, all they could do is wait. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, we read a, a whole list of things that describes the kinds of things that the prophets had to endure in their lives. It starts in verse 33 and it says, Who through faith conquered kingdoms, talking about the prophets, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they may gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Now that's quite a litany, isn't it? Of the kinds of experiences that they had in life. All of them out of their control and all of them requiring patience. And James says, if, if you want to see what patience looks like, then look at their endurance. Look at their patience. Look at a snapshot of their lives. That's patience. I uh, brought along a plant today. And I didn't even realize I'm such a flower guy. Didn't even realize until I had purchased this and somebody told me this morning. You realize that's an impatient, right? <laughs> but I brought along a flower this morning. And you know what? This flower is beautiful. But I feel really sorry for the flower. Because even though it's beautiful, it has to spend its whole life living in dirt. And I just don't think that's right. I mean, here is this beautiful flower, but its whole life is spent in yucky dirt. In fact, I decided this morning, I am going to set this flower free. Yeah, I mean, and if I had some water, I'd wash off the, the roots and get it all cleaned up, you know, so that the flower doesn't have to live in that dirt anymore because that, that's just not right. Well, you know, that's not reality, right? Because, I mean, what I just did is kill the flower. Because as long as it's out of the dirt, it's not going to grow. It's not healthy. And do you realize in our lives, God grows patience in the dirt of life? in the dirt of waiting, in the dirt of difficult people, in the dirt of challenging situations, in the dirt of unanswered prayer, in the dirt of enduring struggles. And you know what we want to do? We, we want to get our lives out of the dirt, don't we? We want to get away from that dirt. I don't want to deal with difficult people. I, I don't want to deal with challenging situations. I, I don't want to go along feeling like God's not listening to me because He doesn't answer, seem to answer my prayer. And so we want to we get our lives out of the dirt and we want to clean all of that stuff off. But the reality is, God grows patience in the dirt of life. And when I take myself out of the dirt, I'm not going to grow. The Bible says it this way in Galatians chapter 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. And there's the word, our word, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control that's what god wants to grow in our lives but growing that is a process i uh, read this week i uh, was reading a book and in it they were describing some spiritual lessons they learned from a vintner it's the person who oversees a winery and oversees the production from growing the crop to producing the wine and uh, the vintner was talking about uh, in napa valley how it is a very long process it begins with the long process of preparing the dirt and 
the dirt has to be uh, cleaned of all the stones and roots and all those kinds of things and has to give it nutrients. And when the dirt is ready, then they pound those stakes in so that the, the vine will grow up around it. And he says you, you plant that first seedling and it grows for a year. And then you, after the end of the first year, much to everyone's dismay, you, you cut that thing back to almost where it began. And the second year, it grows. And again, you, you cut it back so there's only a couple of buds remaining. And the third year, then finally, it grows and begins to produce some fruit. But you don't harvest that fruit. You let it stay on the, on the vine and, and just die. He said it's not until the fourth year in this process that the, the vine produces fruit that you can actually harvest. And, and then he went on to say that even after that, it's still a long process from the time you plant that seedling until you have a, the first bottle of wine. It's an eight-year process. It's a long, long process. And growing the fruit of patience in our lives and all of the fruit that Paul describes in Galatians 5 is a long process. And you know what? There's a, there's a lot of pruning, a lot of pruning that takes place along the way. But growing the fruit of patience is a long process. But if I'm going to live stronger, then I need patience in my life. So I want to look at a few things that I think the Bible suggests that could help us to, to grow patience, that helps create an environment that promotes the growth of patience. Here, here's the first one that I notice. We have to learn to wait for God to direct your steps. Wait for God to direct your steps. The, David wrote in Psalm 62, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from Him. If you uh, took the le- literal Hebrew translation of that verse, it would say this, only for God in silence does my soul wait. And the word there, the word for silence, it's a verb and it means to whisper softly. It's the idea of when someone you love whispers in your ear so that only you can hear from them. Only for God. In silence do I wait to see what he's going to whisper into my ear. I try to think of a way to, to illustrate this. And, uh, you know, after all, it is the most wonderful time of the year. It's March Madness. And so um, you need a basketball story, right? And so I was thinking about this whole thing. And here's the picture that came to my mind. I, I picture it at a basketball game, you know. And as the, as the game is going along, the coach is on the sidelines. And there are some instructions that he can communicate to the team from the sidelines. He can call plays. He can move players around. But his ability to communicate a lot of details is limited from the sideline. And so there are those moments in the game where the game is moving in the wrong direction, maybe, and he calls timeout. And the team will gather around him, and at a college game, you know, you'll learn quickly that athletes have an ability to kind of just put their focus on the coach, and they put all that other stuff that's going on around them out of their mind. And though the band continues to play and the fans continue to make noise, the coach has that 30 seconds or minute to give them some clear instructions when their attention is just focused on him. And then he sends them back out to execute what he just told them. And you know what? You can't wait and run through life at the same time. And you can't run through life and always hear from God at the same time. And so there are those moments where we need to call time out. And though life continues to race on all around us, we focus in on what God wants to say to us. We listen to what he whispers into our lives. And then we go execute. We go do it. And part of learning to have patience in our lives is being willing to wait for God to direct our steps. And only for God, in silence, do I wait for Him to speak to my soul. 
Here's another thing that I noticed in this that would help us. We need to trust God to provide for our needs. We've got to trust God to provide for our needs. You think about James' two examples here. The farmer, he plants the crop, and then what? it's out of his control really at that point, right? I mean, he mostly, all he can do is wait and see what kind of crop God provides. Or, or think about the, the prophets. I think about their stories in the Old Testament, and in so many cases, what was going on in life around them was really out of their control, and all, of they, all that they could do was wait on God to provide for their needs. And the same is true for us in life. So much of what happens in life is out of our control. And all we can do is wait on God to provide for our needs. We, uh, we have a golden retriever at our house. She's uh, a, an older dog now, 12 years old. And uh, I, I've been saying all morning, you know my, the stage of life I'm in. I've moved from telling cute stories about my children to now I have to tell stories about the dog. Not sure what the future holds. Um, so we have a golden retriever. She's a great dog, really smart. And, uh, but she'll let you know, you know what she wants, and she's pretty determined when she wants something to, to get it. And uh, she's polite at first. When she wants something, she'll kind of stand up and look at you like, I want something. Are you going to get up and move? And uh, what I usually do is ignore her. And um, so then she begins to, to kind of talk to you. And she has this kind of groveling thing she does deep in her throat and she actually is moving her mouth as she's doing it and it looks like she's talking to you saying come on get up i'm going to show you what i want and sometimes she'll even go and try to show you she'll go stand by the refrigerator and look at it with the freezer like i want an ice cube come get it or she'll go to where her food is and, and stand there till you come along although we tricked her a couple of months ago we rearranged the kitchen you can't teach an old dog new tricks she cannot catch on to the fact that her food is in a different place now it's hilarious i make fun of her all the time you know what, she is, she is totally dependent on me, actually Peg, because Peg's usually the one that takes care of her. Um, she is totally dependent on us to meet her needs. And I am totally dependent on God to meet my needs. And you know what, I can beg more and bark louder and work harder and run faster and try to manufacture my own ways to fix my life. But the truth is, I've got to wait on God to provide for my needs because I, I am totally dependent on him here's another truth i think we need to learn biblical patience is an act of the will you know i I think sometimes we think we fool ourselves into thinking that patience is some kind of feeling that comes over you that there's some kind of sense of calm that comes over your life and and that's that's the definition of patience but biblical patience i don't think it's some kind of a feeling i don't think it's just a sense of calmness that that comes over you now now certainly i mean you think about the farmer I doubt that a farmer, as he's waiting for his crop to grow, always feels a sense of calmness. And certainly when you think about the stories of the prophets in the Old Testament, I doubt very much that they always had this sense of or feeling of calmness that came over them in the midst of everything that was going on. Now, I think biblical patience is an act of the will. It's a decision that I make to wait on God. It is a decision that I make that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand firm and I'm going to trust. I'm not going to run in the opposite direction or try to fast forward through life. I'm going to make the choice to trust and to wait on God. I, I think biblical patience is an act of the will. Here's one more thing. I, I think we need to learn to somehow see life more in light of eternity. Do you remember what James says? He says it twice. He says it in verse 7. He says, Be patient then, brothers, 
until the Lord's coming. Then he says the same thing in verse 8. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. He, he's saying, you know what? You need to see this from a different perspective. I want you to see life in light of Jesus' coming. Um, the last time I can remember uh, being away from home from ex- for an extended period of time was uh, a few summers ago. I-, I went to Bulgaria with a team of people from here. And uh, my older son, Michael, was with me, but uh, my younger son, Matt, and Peg were here at home. We were gone for 15 days. And I got to tell you, by the end of the, you know, towards the end of that 15 days, I, I was so eager to come home. I mean, I could not wait to see my wife and to see Matt and just to be together again. Uh, the day we were supposed to fly home, we went to the airport, and Swiss Air had a problem with their flights that day, and so our flight was canceled, and so they rebooked us for the next day. They, they did put us in a really nice hotel. That was the redeeming thing. But, you know, so I have to wait a whole other day. And then if you've never done travel out of the country, you know, usually it's lots of different airplanes and waiting in airports and long flights, and it's just a long, exhausting day. So by the time we got on the last flight, I think we were in New Jersey somewhere, and to fly to RSW, you know, I just, I wanted the pilot just to go faster. You know, can you just fly faster, get us home? And then we landed at RSW, and, you know, you make that short taxi up to the gate, and you walk down the ramp and through the terminal. And as we came through the terminal, you know, there, there they were. You could see their faces. And then we hugged each other. And it was just, it was so good to be home. Do you realize that if you're a follower of Jesus, that if you've made Jesus your Savior, you are closer to his coming than you've ever been before. You're closer to being home. I mean, every, every breath is a turn of the page. Every moment is a step closer. Every day is a mile marked and a mountain climbed. Until that day when you, you get to, to walk down the ramp and into heaven. And you'll see faces of people who've been waiting for you. And you hear your name spoken by someone who loves you. And maybe the, maybe the one who would rather die for you than live without you will take his nail-pierced hands out of the pockets of his heavenly robe and he'll just begin to applaud. He'll applaud your arrival in heaven. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. For our present troubles, you know, that's living life in the dirt. Our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. So don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. That's the stuff of heaven. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. See, here's our struggle. We get so fixed on this life. I mean, we get so focused and we begin to, we fool ourselves into thinking that this life is all that there is. This is all that matters. That is such a lie. The stuff of this life, the struggles, the dirt of life, the difficult people, they are all so small and so short and so insignificant compared to the life that we'll get to live in eternity. And I think that's why James says maybe we need a little different perspective. We need to pay a little less attention to this life and a whole lot more attention to the life to come. I need to place a little less value on this life and a whole lot more value 
on the life of Christ. See, God wants to grow in all of us patience so that we can live strong. In fact, you know what the Bible promises us? If we, if we wait on God, as we learn to wait on Him, that God gives us new strength. Yeah, as we wait on God, our roots grow deeper and the vine grows stronger and the fruit, oh, the fruit, the fruit in our lives becomes even more beautiful. Let's pray together. God, the growing uh, patience in our lives is not an easy thing. In fact, it is incredibly challenging. And I, I just pray, God, that you would help each of us to grow this patience, to realize that we live in the dirt of life and the dirt of life is what grows us. God, help us to learn to wait on you, to trust you to meet our needs. God, help us to get a change in perspective that puts a little less value and energy into this life and a little more value and hope into the life that's to come. God, grow us. And as you grow us, grow patience in our lives so that we'll look more and more like Jesus. We pray in his name. Hey, listen, I, I want you to know, if Jesus is not your Savior, if you've never taken that step and cr- stepped across the line and said, I want Jesus to be my Savior, then the picture for you about eternity isn't so great. And, and if you want to have that day, that moment when you, when you walk into heaven and the Savior applauds your arrival, then you need to follow Jesus. So if you want to take that next step, when we wrap up in a few moments, I'll be right down here in the front, and I'd love to talk to you about how you could have a relationship with Jesus too. Let's uh, stand. Let's uh, worship together for a few more moments.